Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of amazing individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very senior corporate professional and author from Kentucky, USA, Dr. Deborah Clary. Uh, Deborah, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. What a privilege to spend some time with you. Thank you. Deborah is an independent director. She was earlier in executive leader, leadership positions with Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Brown Foreman, and Humana. Uh, she's an author, an international speaker, a performer, and an award-winning film producer. Wow. So we will talk about a lot of the things that you are doing, but let me start by asking you that you have worked in sales management, operations, marketing, strategic planning, and executive leadership development. Tell me a little bit about your own journey in brief. Uh, so I was uh, a born and raised in uh, Michigan, which is in northern U.S., yeah. and I was the first person in my family to graduate from college, and then I went on to business school, and then my first job was driving a route truck for Frito-Lay. Wow. Now, my parents were <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? You went six years of school, and you're now running a route truck for Frito-Lay, mm. but Frito-Lay, they started everybody on the truck. They wanted mm. their, uh, their uh, employees to understand their business from the ground up. So mm. uh, for about nine months, mm. I loaded a route truck with Frito-Lay chips and cookies and mm. uh, delivered them to uh, stores in the Detroit area. And mm. um, I did that for about nine months. Wow. <laughs> so that's how I started. Mm. That's amazing. Amazing. And, you know, when I was reading about you, you say that you improve the impact and contribution. Tell me a little more and give me an example. So the work that I do now, I work for Humana, which is a very large health company in the in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I am embedded in the C-suite. And so my role is to help the senior team with their impact and contribution to the organization. And mm -hmm. the ways in which I do that is one from individual coaching in terms of how they're showing up and how they can improve at the individual level. Um, but most importantly, it's how does the team uh, get to decisions faster? How does the team debate more? Mm -hmm. And so it's my role to help facilitate those conversations and ensuring that all voices are heard, that we are challenging one another, but most importantly, when they leave the room is that they're clear on the decision that they've made and they're one team, it's one decision, and then we go execute. We have over 100,000 employees, you know, we're a $100 billion company. Yeah. And so you can see the importance of clarity Absolutely. and being precise in terms of what the organization needs to go do, because our mission is to improve the health of those we serve. It's in a very important mission. I take it really, really seriously. Absolutely. Very different from Coca-Cola when our, our, you know, our North Star was, you know, people are thirsty. They need to have a Coke within arm's reach. Mm. I love that. But this is so much different in terms of we truly are having an impact on our, um, our members, our customers, our patients' lives. Mm, amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, you know, Deborah, you're also a leadership educator. Um, let me start by asking you, tell me about the work that you're doing with leaders. Yeah, it's, you know, how I got interested in this, because, you know, my path was sales and marketing and strategy. I really love that work. And I had moved from a 
two very large organizations with PepsiCo, Coca-Cola. Then I moved to Brown Foreman, which is the makers of uh, Jack Daniels. And it was a much smaller organization, publicly traded, mm-hmm. um, but it was still family run. Right. And I got just so curious about culture and about leaders and what makes a great leader. And so I decided to go back to school mm-hmm. and I uh, was very, very fortunate that they uh, they funded my education. And so mm-hmm. I would fly to Washington, D.C. on a Thursday night, go to school 12 hours Friday, 12 hours Saturday, fly wow. back home on, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I got started. I was just incredibly curious about human behavior mm-hmm. and what could make leaders even better. And then was just I was just interested in learning about that. I didn't think I would step into that space. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was writing my dissertation. I was still working at Brown Foreman as their VP of strategy. And Humana uh, said, gosh, we're, we want to stand up a leadership institute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, there's no way I want to go work in healthcare. I'm, I am fun. I'm going to the Super Bowl. I'm traveling all over the world. I mean, my life is really fun mm. and full and I love it. And I knew, I knew what I was doing and I'm thinking, I, I'm not sure I, I could actually do that. I didn't have confidence that I could do that, but mm. they said with your business act background, you know how to run a business, you know how to run a PL, mm. and you now have this academic background. And Mm -hmm. so I joined Humana to stand up this leadership institute, Mm -hmm. which was focused on the top 600 leaders in the organization. Mm -hmm. So we did everything from assessments to coaching and to cohort learning. And we worked with external companies or organizations like Harvard. We'd bring them in. We'd develop our own customized program for our own individuals. Mm -hmm. And then it was working so well, we began to take it externally. So then not only an internal uh, opportunity, but it became an uh, external opportunity mm-hmm. as well. So we run around the, the country helping individuals in healthcare understand the impact that their leadership could have. Mm-hmm. And so um, that gives you a little idea of my yep. journey. And I started mm-hmm. this because I was curious about human behavior and mostly about my own, own behavior. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, I got into this. Quite incredible. So let me ask you a question, which I'm sure you've been asked many times. Are leaders born or are they made? I actually think it's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. So I think anyone can be an outstanding leader, Mm -hmm. um, but it takes um, emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. you know, really understanding um, who you are, you know, know thyself Mm -hmm. and understanding that we all have uh, upsides and then we have flat sides and it's understanding who you are as an individual. Mm -hmm. And it's also about understanding those around you uh, that you're working with and those that you're trying to influence. And so the, you know, I think that there are, there are some that come out of the womb that are like ready to go and uh, and are ready to step up. And mm-hmm. then others are uh, evolve into it. And I think you can be an extrovert, you can be an introvert, and you can still be an astonishing, you know, astonishing leader. Mm, amazing. And, you know, over the years, I'd love to get your perspective since you've done so much, not just actual leadership work, but even your PhD in it. Uh, what are some of the key trends that you have noticed as leadership has evolved? Because I know that, you know, there were superstar leaders uh, who, who were right up there and, you know, almost nobody could, you know, reach them. It, they were so powerful and so big. But yet today, leadership as a trend has started to change a little bit. I'd love to get your perspectives. 
Yeah, I think, you know, if you if you even just look, go back as far as the, the 40s and the 50s, you know, the, the people that were leading corporations and government were all men. Mm-hmm. And uh, the University of Michigan did a study in the 50s that said, what makes a great leader? Mm-hmm. And it, it was something absurd, like, um, one, you are a man, mm-hmm. and you are tall, you have hair, <laughs> it was just like all these physical mm-hmm. attributes mm-hmm. of that, right. Mm-hmm. And, and it was you think about coming out of World War Two, it was this command and control, yeah. the, the leaders at the top, and they're giving all the direction. Mm-hmm. Well, today, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is um, this profound shift in a very positive way, around inclusive leadership Mm -hmm. and it is about i my experience of 30 years working in these big corporations for me the best leaders are those that um care about the work that they're doing you know Mm -hmm. the mission of the organization they care about Mm -hmm. their employees they care about their customers Mm -hmm. and i don't mean just in a surface way but they deeply understand what their um, employees need and what their customers need. Mm. And so, you know, I, I think inclusive leadership today, in at least in the U.S., is one of the most important things you can do. Mm. And a key part of inclusive leadership and building relationships is curiosity. Mm. And curiosity means that I am truly interested in learning about your life experience. I'm truly interested in understanding how you do your best work. Mm-hmm. And then my job as a leader is to set up an environment where you can thrive based on what I know about you. So mm-hmm. caring and curiosity, I think are the um, kind of the most important traits of an inclusive leader. And mm-hmm. in the US, if you wanna thrive, you wanna attract talent, you wanna retain talent, mm-hmm. that's what you need. Amazing, thank you. What a great response. My next question to you, Deborah, is on culture. How does culture impact leadership? And you live in one of the most diverse, culturally diverse countries in the world. Mm -hmm. So what does culture have, uh, or how does culture impact leadership? It's so culture and leadership are synonymous. They're Mm. really the same word. Mm. So the leaders impact the culture. As the leaders behave and their um, the way that they are uh, seen in the in the organization, their behavior is how the culture is. So if you mm-hmm. want to understand a culture, you look at the senior leaders or the founder of the organization, mm-hmm. and as they go, so goes the culture of an organization. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. The other thing that's beginning to impact leadership now is technology and technology seems to be changing the leadership paradigm in the world. Um, What are your thoughts? I absolutely agree. Mm. You know, to make good decisions in this kind of rapidly changing world we're living in, you've got to be able to use data Mm. to make good decisions. Mm. And I'm not talking about people that live in IT. I'm talking about every leader in the organization has to look at trends and data, your competitive landscape, and that all comes from accessing and analyzing uh, data. Mm. It's one of the most, I think, critical skills that leaders need to have today. And I also think it's the greatest challenge for more senior leaders that have been in the workplace 30, 40 years to mm-hmm. understand that. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be critical. Amazing. Uh, another question that I've often been asked, and I'm gonna ask you the same question, is the last three years have been very challenging 
for the corporate world because of the pandemic. How has the pandemic impacted leadership? I think it's had a, uh, this is gonna be a, an obvious statement, but it's had a profound impact on leadership mm -hmm. because leaders had to lead in a very different way. Correct. They had to be able to one, quickly assess the crisis, mm -hmm. at least in the US um, and probably all over the world. Mm -hmm. How do we get people what they need in their home so they are physically safe, okay. but at the same time, they can still care for uh, our customers and still care for um, the the employees that they they lead. Yeah. So there was this 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 need to have agility and the need to have increased trust mm -hmm. that your teams, your employees were doing the work. And um, what we found is engagement went up significantly, mm -hmm. and productivity went up significantly. Mm -hmm. Very interesting, and. What, in your view, is the difference between men and women leaders? The, there are differences, obviously, in terms mm. of how men and women lead because okay. they have different uh, they have different brains. They have different they were so they're socialized differently, at least in North America mm -hmm. and maybe all over the world. Yeah. Um, but the the reality is is that um, to be a phenomenal leader, mm. you need to be both, um, transformational, meaning that you're able to see the future, you're able to bring along your organization to say, this is where we're coming, going, mm -hmm. I want you to come along with me. And at the same time, you have to be transactional, mm -hmm. meaning that you have to get the results. Mm -hmm. uh, your investors are are counting on it, you know, you've got to get the earnings that you're you're projecting on that. So um, in general, uh, the in the research that I did for my dissertation, mm -hmm. we looked at the differences between men and women leaders. And men were more transactional, mm -hmm. but they also had transformation. Women were more transformational, but also transactional. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is that you have to have both to lead a large organization or even a small organization. Well said, well said. So one more question on leadership. And now this, I'm coming to the younger generation of leaders. And I'm from the boomers generation. But, you know, I find millennials and the Gen Z leaders have actually brought a breath of fresh air into most organizations. Uh, I'd love to get your perspective on how these young leaders are changing the paradigm. Yes. So I have uh, two daughters that are in the workforce mm. and I learned so much from yeah. them. Mm. You know, one is this, um, the boundaries that they set for their lives, mm. right? They've seen their parents work an excessive amount of time, spend time away from their families, mm. you know, the, the struggles that they've had to balance that. And I see this in my daughters and in the employees that I manage is that there are boundaries, mm. um, you know, that we're going to work these, these hours. It doesn't mean that I'm not available for crisis or emergencies, mm. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm just really, um, I've been astonished at how well they have managed to be able to get the work done mm -hmm. within the boundaries that they they set. That's you know, there's this thing around the quiet quitting now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oh, this is a really bad thing. And I'm like, I don't think quiet quitting is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It means that I'm going to give you what I have for these amount of hours. I'm going to be available for you if you need me. But I actually think that, um, mm -hmm. sorry about that. Um, it's just been a really extraordinary way for us to understand what's really important in life mm -hmm. and that people can be 
significantly impactful and work a reasonable amount of hour. That would be that would be one way. The other thing is around um, technology and mm -hmm. how they look to connect data. Mm -hmm. So I think they're teaching us um, you know, how to lead in a different way. Yes, great response, thank you. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna move uh, to your book. We'll talk about your film after then, then I'll come to your uh, role as an independent director. But Tell me a little bit about the book that you have written. What is it called? What is the title of the book? It's called uh, um, Women, uh, no, uh, Leadership and Executive Women. So what I looked at is just what I talked about, the what's mm. the difference between men and women mm. as it relates to leadership? Because mm. all of the studies... This, you know, the early studies had all been done on men. What mm -hmm. make what makes a great leader? What makes a great male leader? And no one had ever looked at it from a women's perspective. Mm -hmm. And so, as I had shared, you know, what is the difference between men and women? Transformational versus transactional. Mm -hmm. And um, there are those differences. But as I said, you've got to have both to be a successful leader. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And is your book available on Amazon? I don't think it's in print anymore. That came okay. out in 2005, but you can okay. try to find it. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll check that out. Uh, you're also an award-winning film producer. Um, tell me a little bit about what got you interested in films and what made you become a producer. So I have this passion around women and women leadership and women issues. You've heard me talk about yeah. it. That's what I wrote about. Mm. Um, and um, somebody in New York that I that knew someone that I knew, mm -hmm. this this individual had a story that actually took place, their real life story that took place in Louisville. Mm -hmm. And it was about a woman that was, um, you know, grew up in a, in a very marginalized environment, which a lot of women in poverty, single moms, this mm -hmm. happens. And so mm -hmm. they reached out to me to say, we're going to we're going to create this story. We're going to film this in Louisville. Could you help us one raise money mm -hmm. and um, you know really help us in Louisville? And so that's how I got connected to it. And okay. so the movie is called Beauty Mark. Mm -hmm. And um, we based on a true story, but it's a feature film, 80, wow. 89 minutes. And okay. um, it really brought forth the story of um, before me too, because it hit right before the me yeah. too broke out. Mm -hmm. And um it just really highlighted the need in our communities to support women that have mm. not been fortunate like some of some of the others are. So yes. that's how I got into it. And so then we just went around the country at film festivals and started winning these awards. Wow. And then we ended up selling it to um, Amazon. Mm. Amazing. So, so that, that you, can see, be... you can go, you can see that on Amazon or Netflix um, and it's called Beauty Mark. Okay. We'll look for that Beauty Mark on on Amazon or, okay, yes. wonderful. The The other thing that I wanted to now talk to you is that you're an independent director. Um, I don't know about the laws in the US, but I know that in parts of Asia and India where I live, an executive director has very, very stringent fiduciary responsibilities. And I'm sure you have the same in, in the US as well. What do you look for before you accept a board position? So I look at the... Um, the the leadership of the organization mm -hmm. right so who's leading the organization mm -hmm. um i look at am i passionate about the work that they do and mm -hmm. their mission mm -hmm. that um and then i look at could i make a contribution mm -hmm. like what kind of contribution could i make here so those are the three things that i look at mm -hmm. you certainly i do my due diligence around um are there any 
any lawsuits, mm-hmm. uh, any, any anything that's pending that uh, could get messy. Um, so those are kind of the, I guess, the four things that I I look at. Mm-hmm. The the other thing that is often being debated, and I remember when I was on the board of Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance in Geneva. Uh, Gavi used to get the most transparent organization or board in the world uh, award every year. What is the level of transparency that is needed in boardrooms? And could it could uh, improvements be made there? I mean, at least in the the US, it's it's mandatory, right? That um, you know the board has to have access to all. Um, all information, all the financial information. Now, but here's the juxtaposition is that if you're a management team, particularly if you're the CEO, the Mm. board is your boss, Mm. right? And so uh, it's only human nature that we wanna look good in front of our board, in front of our our bosses, so to speak. Mm. And so there is that juxtaposition of, uh, when do I tell them and what do I tell them? But it is mandatory that Mm. you tell them. And so I think it's that's what the one thing that I've noticed is the positioning of the information as opposed to being direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the situation. It can sometimes be couched in mm-hmm. a softer way mm-hmm. um, if the CEO isn't feeling confident and supported by their their board. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And I've time for only one more question. And this, Deborah, is for uh, the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your own amazing journey from the corporate world to uh, a leadership educator, to a, an author, a film producer, what would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your own journey? I think one is um, those that are curious will always be in demand. Yeah which is also then sets up um, this continuous learning. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deepen your expertise and then how do you learn new things? Yeah. And then um, the third would be just know thyself. Mm-hmm. What, what are you passionate about? What are your, what are your strengths? Focus on your strengths mm-hmm. and not your weaknesses. Wonderful. And on that note and your three wonderful lessons, be curious Uh, be a continuous learner and the third one which is so important know thyself thank you so much for speaking to me about your own journey about uh, your journey in the corporate world about uh, all the work that you are doing as a leadership educator and in the area of leadership thank you also for speaking to me about your book your film and as uh, an independent director thank you again and good luck thank you so much my my pleasure thank you Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.